It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by a spokesperson for Fix the Senate, Eli Zupnik, who is here to explain to us exactly what the hell is going on with the filibuster and how we're going to get any of the things that we care about, fight for, and voted for done in this Congress. Eli, thank you so much for being here this morning. It's great to be on. If you would like to begin with thoughts about Lil Nas X, you're more than welcome to, but uh, I don't expect a congressional <laughs> hearing on this anytime soon. Uh, so we can, yeah, we can well. get right to uh, what we actually need the filibuster in order to fix, which is the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, uh, HR1, all of the beautiful things that we want to get done next can't get done without this thing. So just give us the lay of the land right now. Like, how does it, how does it look for our democracy? <laughs> uh it's looking good. I mean, we are not there yet. There's a long way to go, but uh, I feel really good about the growing momentum to eliminate the filibuster, the growing urgency that members and people across the country, members of Congress, people across the country, President Biden, are clearly feeling about the attack on voting rights, um, you know, most recently seen in Georgia, but seen in states across the country that who are suppressing the right to vote. And there is a growing understanding that Senator McConnell and his Republican caucus are not going to let anything pass the Senate. They're not going to let Senate Democrats or President Biden do a single thing on voting rights or uh, protecting our elections and making sure that people can access the ballot uh, after everything we've seen over the last four years. So I think there is a growing understanding among Senate Democrats that you're you're hearing expressed and uh, is being discussed behind the scenes about what to do when Republicans block this For the People Act coming up as soon as, you know, a couple of weeks from now and how they can move forward and make sure that they could actually deliver on the promises they made to people across the country. Uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that you made the segue that you did because it is not as far-fetched as it seems. Republicans are literally calling the For the People Act a bill written by the devil. They are saying that they are lying about this bill, and it's it's true. Well, I'll, I'll send you the link. You can put it in your uh, show Wait, notes. They no one said that. A bill of, yeah. I am so sure. Hang on. I the, wish. The, the, the devil is on the side of. Okay. All right. If we're gonna if we're gonna allegory yeah. this, let's just allegory filibuster. It. It, I didn't know that was Jesus a is on the Satan. side of bringing voters water. I know he is. Yeah. I know he is. Like I am I am as agnostic as they come, but Jesus was in favor of bringing food and water to people who needed it. I don't understand how increasing access to the ballot box is satanic. I understand how putting blood in a shoe and a pentagram on it is satanic. I get that. I still think it's fun, but I get it. Uh, I do not understand how increasing voting rights could possibly be satanic. Like, like the devil is not super into civic participation, at least as yeah. far as my readings well, tell me. Uh, I think, well, as a Jewish person, I will not comment on what Jesus said, and I'll leave the comments <laughs> on the shoe to you. But it is, it is the case that you are absolutely right, that it is, I think, shocking to most people as they learn about what has been done in Georgia. There's going to be increasing demand to do something about it and not let this egregious attack 
on our democracy stand. Uh, that, and that's part of what's so encouraging to me. You're hearing Senator Schumer, the, the uh, majority leader, go out and say that failure is not an option when it comes to the For the People Act. Senator Klobuchar, who heads up the committee overseeing the bill, is saying that she's going to get this done no matter what. She, she's not going to let what she called an antiquated rule get in the way of getting it done. Senator Merkley, Senator Warren, so many others who've been talking about filibuster reform for a long time are now working hard with their caucus. And you're even seeing people like Senator Manchin who have defended the filibuster, continue to defend the filibuster, now start to say things about how the filibuster is broken and say that they're open to reform. So things are moving in the right direction, but we, we still have a long way to go. Do you think that sort of that movement on this would not have been possible without the over 250 bills that have been introduced on the state level um, to restrict the vote? I mean, I feel like there's a little overreach happening and that may facilitate or hasten, you know, the the more conservative Democrats, um, you know, throwing up their hands and being like, all right, reform that filibuster because obviously Republicans on the state level are stripping uh, access to the ballot away, not just from, you know, black voters, but really all voters. Um, and, and that could harm even some of these more moderate Democrats in their, in their own races. So I feel like, I feel like last week when Georgia passed, or, or when Brian Kemp stood in front of the pan, painting of the plantation surrounded by white men to sign the, the Jim mm-hmm. Crow uh, voter suppression law into, into law, um, I think that was the jump the shark moment, no? I agree. I, I think that's exactly right. I think we, we the filibuster was on its way to being reformed, I think, because it is inconceivable that Democrats would spend two years not doing a single thing on immigration, uh, the DREAM Act that they promised that they would pass, raising the minimum wage, gun safety, especially in the wake of the horrible shootings that we've seen. It's inconceivable that Democrats wouldn't do anything on those fronts. And those are issues that Republicans are short of filibuster. But then when you, as you note, pull in these attacks on voting rights and the overreach of Republicans across the country who are committed to protecting their minority rule and and don't think they can win when more people vote and they are actively working to attack our democracy and suppress the vote. And that's something that Senate Democrats and Democrats and people across the country find galling and is really and is motivating this recent push because Democrats are about to face a very clear choice. Are they going to protect the filibuster, this outdated and abused Senate rule that President Obama clearly called a Jim Crow relic and now others are following and and making it clear that that's what it is? Or do they protect our democracy and the right to vote across the country in the face of these egregious attacks? And that's going to be a clear choice coming up very soon. I think that Democrats are going to come down on the right side of it. I think it's an easy choice. And Republicans have helped our efforts to eliminate the filibuster by clearly framing it as that choice. Uh, so I feel good that Democrats are going to come down the right way. And I think you're, you're absolutely right that the picture of Governor Kemp signing this bill in front of a plantation shines a spotlight on a, this outdated Senate rule that was honed by segregationists and white supremacists to maintain Jim Crow and defeat over 200 anti-lynching bills and civil rights bill after civil rights bill. And to now have that be used to stop this latest attempt to, uh, to 
you know, protect voting rights and to expand civil rights. I, I think that's it's almost too poetic for for these mm-hmm. members to ignore. It's republic. I mean, it, it couldn't have been written any other way. If if yep. Senator McConnell, Senator McConnell, and others really, they're handing they they are the best case for eliminating the filibuster because they are they couldn't be making it any clearer that they have absolutely no interest in with Democrats to fix these problems. They like it. They they want this to happen. They want these bills to pass. Right. Um, and it's going to come to a head in the next couple of weeks. So is there is there hope in reform other than elimination? Like, I feel like I've been hearing Manchin, you know, sort of making noises that maybe some filibuster reform is possible, but he certainly wouldn't want to totally eliminate the thing. He's really against that. Biden seems to suggest that he might be interested in going back to the talking filibuster as opposed to just the way we do it now, which I don't understand how that ever happened to begin with. Um, it could could a could an incremental reform measure be enough or do we need to be pushing for the elimination of the filibuster like we as activists like like should should we be happy with something that's um just makes the filibuster more onerous we think you know, from the fix our senate perspective we're, we're a coalition of 60 plus uh, and growing progressive organizations we think that we should be pushing for the elimination of the filibuster we think that the elim- the yeah. filibuster is a broken abused outdated jim crow relic has no place in today's Senate where we have a minority that is committed to absolute obstruction and that it should be eliminated. So I think that activists, advocates, people across the country who are starting to understand this and who are starting to understand this more should continue to push for the elimination of the filibuster. When it comes to reforms being discussed, for me, and I think and I think for a lot of other progressives and others who are who are watching this, the North Star has to be can a bill pass with a simple majority at the end of the day? A talking mm. filibuster or any of the other reforms, uh, th- those, sure, those could be discussed. And if they get implemented, hopefully they would be better than the status quo. But the way to tell that, the way to know it's better than the status quo, is that bills can pass at the end of reasonable debate, discussion, deliberation. The minority could spend a couple of days sitting on the floor talking about it, reasonable amount of time. But in the end, can the Democratic majority pass the bill that voters put them in place to pass or not? And I think that's the key question. Yeah. So so what what tea leaves do we need to be reading in order to like I, I want to share your optimism. I I am I am either traumatized from the last four years or I am just very skeptical by nature. I cannot tell. I can't tell anymore. Um, but I want to share your optimism about getting this thing done. What should I be looking for? Well, I would say, first of all, like who matters the most? I'm, yeah. I, I am okay. hopeful <laughs> and, and I feel good, but there's a lot there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think you know the key is if you want to if you're looking at the tea leaves, I think looking at what happens when uh, the For the People Act starts to move toward the Senate floor, it's going to come go through the committee as soon as they get back from recess mid-April. It's expected to come to the Senate floor not too long after that, maybe late April, May, although that hasn't been fully determined. So seeing how Republicans react to that and as they say they're going to, as it becomes clear, they're going to obstruct it. What members like Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema, uh, Senator Tester, and others who who are reluctant to eliminate the filibuster, how they talk about that expected obstruction, I think, 
is gonna is gonna be telling. And based on what we've seen so far, they are they are all setting themselves up to want to to get this bill done and to to want to yeah. give Republicans a chance. I mean, we, we saw what happened with the COVID bill, where Senator Manchin and others. They, they worked with the Republicans. They, they extended their hand, and that hand was swatted away. And at the end, Senator Manchin was able to, to vote for the COVID rescue plan, the American rescue plan, and talk about how it was a bipartisan and unifying bill that has 70-plus percent support across the country, even though not a single Republican in Congress voted for it. So I, I expect something similar to happen with for the people that President Biden Senator Manchin and others will, in good faith, try to work with Republicans, but it takes two to tango, and Republicans are not going to work with them. And as that becomes clearer, you're going to start to see more conversation heating up about what the next step is. And that's when it's on everyone listening to, the, to your show, all the activists and advocates and mm-hmm. people across the country, to really weigh in and say, don't let, don't just put this back on the shelf and let Republicans stop it. You get this is the time don't let the filibuster the jim crow filibuster block another civil rights and voting rights bill this is the moment to get it done this is why we put democrats in charge and that's that's the moment that i think we'll see you know hopefully the the fight that takes this to the end and gets rid of the filibuster or at least kicks this fight into really into the next gear do you get the sense that the Democrats who are the ones who are going to be, you know, the deciding factors in any movement on this, do you get the sense that they understand the history of the filibuster? Not just that it's tradition, not just that it's a rule that's been in place, not just that, you know, as senators, they care about the institution supposedly and don't want to make any drastic changes that would, I guess the argument goes, Republicans could pass anything they want and get through with 51 votes if we eliminate it. Um, for for these particular things now, um, do you, do you get the sense that they, based on how they've been sort of talking about this issue, that they get that ra- the, the racist history? Because the racist history is something that I don't think people have been talking about much until late recently. I mean, if if you were talking about the filibuster thing during the Obama administration, I don't recall actually having, you know, a, a fulsome debate on television or anywhere about, Mm -hmm. you know, John Calhoun. I mean, it's just not, we weren't talking about it in these terms. Um, And I feel like that's, you know, a function of the pandemic and the racial reckoning. We're just like in a different place (laughs) psychologically. But do you get the sense that Joe Manchin gets that? I think more and more members are seeing this. They are learning about this. They're understanding this. Uh, And you're right. It hasn't been an issue that was, salient before it is much more salient to people now um, that it, it's I think it's a combination of what we're seeing across the country with uh, all people becoming more aware of this issue and the, the history behind it and then also just Republicans like you mentioned before their overreach across the country and how they they are lifting this issue up and making it uh, their top priority is to prevent people from voting and to to make sure that make it harder for people to vote so I, I think that there's a growing understanding. I think that maybe even more important than an understanding that the filibuster is uh, of the history, the racist history of the filibuster, is the understanding that the filibuster has changed. So even for those members like Senator Manchin and others who thought before that the filibuster was a tool that 
promoted compromise and bipartisanship, whether you agree with them or not, they think that, they thought that. It's becoming more and more clear that that's no longer the case if it ever was. No, there's no argument anymore. I mean, Senator Merkley says all the time, if you think that the filibuster promotes bipartisanship and compromise, why is there less bipartisanship and compromise as the filibuster has increased? And I think that's that that's what more members are seeing, that it just doesn't make sense. There's, every bill is filibustered these days. There's no compromise in bipartisanship. So the argument that the filibuster increases that has gone away. So I think there's there's more and more room for members to say, yeah, I thought the filibuster worked before. I thought it helped push us toward bipartisanship, but that's clearly not the case now. It's clearly not working now, so something needs to change. That is such an important point. Like, okay, so so let me let me take that and then give you an opportunity to respond to the other thing that Republicans say. Like they they have like their carrot and their stick approach, right? And their carrot on the filibuster is that's how we achieve bipartisanship. You've done a really neat job of debunking that. The stick approach is if you do this, we will pass all con- we will ban abortion, we will give every baby a gun, we will do- like we will we will go absolutely bug nuts on on our legislation because you guys won't be able to stop us if we as soon as we have the majority again. So can can you address that fear that people might have? Sure. Well, first of all, I'm not going to endorse that entire list of priorities, but I think that there's uh, as you know, there's a whole lot that progressives want to do and a whole lot that progressives are fighting for. But I think everyone understands that in a Senate with 50 votes where any single senator can can prevent a bill from moving, you're not you're going to only see legislation passed that has 50 votes. I mean, I say this all the time and, and I know others do as well that. Getting rid of the filibuster is not a magic trick. It doesn't just let you pass the things you want to pass. You still need to get 50 votes, and you know, unfortunately, there's some work to do on some of those some of those issues. Um, you know, whether it's uh, climate change or raising the minimum wage. Like there is broad consensus and unanimity among the Democratic side that something needs to be done, and I think something would get done if we got rid of the filibuster. But there's still a lot of work to do that. Uh, when, once we unlock the door, once the filibuster is eliminated and the door is unlocked, there's still a lot of work to do to, to move through the door and to get things done. So I think you're you're going to see some speedy movement on issues like voting rights, uh, and you know there's there's other legislation that has pretty strong Democratic unanimous support. And then you're going to see Democrats get to work, and activists and advocates across the country are then going to have to push as hard as they can to get the best possible version of whatever can get 50 votes. And you know, that, that that's not going to be everything that progressives want, but I think it'll be a whole lot of things that progressives want. We saw what happened with the American Rescue Plan. It wasn't perfect, but it was a fantastic step in the, in the right direction and something to build on. And that's something that uh, I think, you know, so McConnell's going to have the, I mean, he, he recently called, said that the filibuster had no racial history. He is going to lie about the filibuster. He's going to spread misinformation. He's going to he's going to throw. He's going to say that I think he said there's going to be a nuclear winter if the filibuster is eliminated. He said there's, they're going to go scorched earth. Right. You know, this is this is a caucus that is already trying to block everything that President Biden is doing. Senator Johnson had a poor Senate clerk read the entire bill, American Rescue Plan, spent all night reading a bill. Yeah. They're they're delaying everything that they can. They're stopping everything that they can. 
So the idea that Senator McConnell is now trying to work with Democrats and being so bipartisan and cooperative and that he will not do that if the filibuster is eliminated is kind of a joke. Yes. You, yes. I suppose so my, the idea that McConnell will, will go nuclear as opposed to already has gone nuclear is, is pretty silly to begin with. Well, I think that's Sorry, my question. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's, that was my question is like how, like, I'm seriously asking, how would it look different? <laughs> like, I mean, is, has anyone right. asked Mitch McConnell, how would it be different going nuclear? What would, what would, what would you do differently, Mitch? How is it different than what we're doing now? I mean, it, feel, it seems to me like he's not agreeing to uh, compromise on anything. I mean, they went, you know, to the mats for liability protections during the plant pandemic so that corporations would have blanket liability against harming and um, uh, injuring their employees in the pandemic by forcing them to go to back, back to work in unsafe conditions. That doesn't seem to me like somebody's willing to really... I don't know, come to the table in good faith. Is, is is there any good faith left in the Republican Party? That is an honest question. I think it, there's very little. I mean, you, you can maybe count a few Republicans who will vote on one one issue or another, Senator Collins, Senator Murkowski. I mean, seven Republicans voted to impeach President Trump. I mean, I think that's a shockingly small number in a 50-member caucus. But you can't get to 10, and that's the key point is – only seven Republicans supported impeaching a president after an insurrection in their office. And not a single Republican stood with Democrats on a COVID rescue plan that had overwhelming national support. So there's just not, maybe you could count a couple, you're never going to count to 10 on any kind of meaningful reforms, whether it's the Voting Rights and the For the People Act, gun safety, immigration, uh, the PRO Act to help labor and help workers across the country, you're just not getting to 10 on those. So, again, it goes back to that choice. That That is why this issue is heating up as more and more people realize what the choice is. It is truly either deliver on your promises or protect the filibuster. There, there is no doing both. And that's going to be increasingly stark as uh, the House sends over more and more bills, and I'm sure Representative Khanna, who's a leader on this in the House, can talk about mm-hmm. this issue. Is the House is going to keep sending bills? They're going to keep slamming into that brick wall of a Senate filibuster. And you know, we a lot of Democrats spent a lot of time talking about Senator McConnell's legislative graveyard in the Senate. After all, Speaker Pelosi in the House sent all the bills that way. I think we're going to start seeing that again as Senator McConnell exercises power from the minority that voters thought they took away from him in January. Can I ask a a probably stupid logistical question? How does getting rid of the filibuster work? Like, does there, is there a vote on it? Is that simply the Senate writes its new rules and then the parliamentarian says, yes, these are the new rules? Like, what, what is the logistics of doing this? Sure. You're not far off. So we saw in this is now we saw in in 2013 when Senator Reid changed the rules on some nominees, and then when Senator McConnell did the the uh, went the rest of the way on nominees when he changed the rules for Supreme Court nominees. But the way it works is the Senate operates on precedent, and the Senate can always make new precedent with a simple majority vote. So they will move on a bill; it will fail because it didn't get 60 votes, and then the majority leader or any other senator can call for overturning the ruling of the chair, which essentially means we want to create a new precedent before it was 60 votes to end 
a filibuster, we are now changing that to 50. They will call for a vote to overturn the ruling of the chair, and if that get, vote gets 51, 50 senators plus the vice president, then from that point forward, that is the new Senate precedent. So that's, again, that's what Senator McConnell did himself in 2017. They used to call this the nuclear option. I think now it's just accepted mm-hmm. of the way both parties change the rules in the Senate. And that's, that's why, um, that's why when, when you hear about Senate rules changes and, and filibuster reform, that the key thing to understand is Democrats can do it on their own. It's a choice. If Democrats want to change Love the it. rules, they can change the rules. Come on, Democrats. Yeah, Eli, thank you so much for uh, for all of this explanation this morning and your work on this issue. Spokesperson for Fix Our Senate. Um, please come back and update us as this unfolds. It has implications Absolutely. for literally every single thing we care about. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>